Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Avenue Show. Today is Thursday, October 26th in the year 2023. I am your host, of course, Mike Abadir, alongside Pop DiBiase. And we got a lot to cover in a limited amount of time, so let's get right to it. We got World Series talk. We've now got our two finalists. We're going to talk about how good or bad the playoff format is in baseball when it leads to two of the lower seeds making it to the finals. So we'll get both of our takes on that. The playoff series pretty much put an end to one of my favorite managers' career, Dusty Baker. He has retired officially as of today. It's no longer rumor. It is all set. He is done. He's had a glorious career. I'm really happy for him, but sad for baseball. Harbaugh, the Michigan version of the Harbaugh, Brothers accused of sign stealing. So we'll talk about that. Looks like they've got a little Astros of 2017 in them. And we got the beginning of the NBA kickoff week. And that's been a lot of fun to get into. Before we actually roll through everything, Pop, I was going to ask you, what do you think about my Kings this year? The Kings really dismantled Utah on the road yesterday. Nice start for them. What What do you think about the Kings this year? Do you think that they could get to the finals? Well, they have what it takes. Well, you know what, the Kings just got to keep doing what they're doing and just hope that everybody in the world doesn't get on them. Because the thing is, I like the Kings as an under the radar team, and I feel like they haven't taken them as seriously as they should. Because when I did my NBA uh, preview show. The other day when it came to wins and everything, I saw that they were at 44 wins. And I said, this is a little disrespectful for the team that won the uh, division last year and actually got better this season. You know what I mean? They didn't lose anything. They didn't lose anybody to free agency. They added in guys and they kept the same core in place. And when you keep the same core in place, you have the right chemistry to get the wins that you need to get to keep moving forward to get to the NBA finals. First things first, get out the first round. That's what it's what it is with the Kings and the Kings dismantling and beating down the jazz. That shit, that, that shows goes to show they've turned the corner because jazz are not set up to be a great team this year. Like at all, they're not, they're not going to be a good team. This year. So pretty much them dominating them last night was a good sign of what's to come. They they made sure they took care of a bad team last night and they absolutely trashed the Jazz. One more before we move on because we have a long NBA season so we'll have plenty of time to really delve in. The Magic. They throttled the Rockets at home. They won by what? 30 points or something like that? What do you think of the Magic uh, this season, man? Are they kind of a, a team to look out for? 
Well, you know, they I'm going to keep it real with you. They got Paulo Banchero, who's a very, very good young player who played, who was one of the key players for Team USA. He's the number one pick in the draft uh, last year as well, too. And you know what? They have a good rapport because they have a lot of young talent. I would say that Cole Anthony was the, the driver of that game last night. That's Greg Anthony's son, and he's going to be really good for this team moving forward because he's a really good basketball player. And once again, he's a part of that that group of the these basketball players where my father played in the NBA. So at some point in time, I had access to the NBA and to NBA events and to NBA players and things like that. So you've learned from the best, and I feel like he's been able to transition his game very very smoothly to the NBA. He's not even a starter and he's playing like he should be a starter, but it doesn't really matter in the NBA anymore about being a starter. You can still be a guy coming off the bench, averaging 25 points a game because sometimes guys are just better coming off the bench because it's all about who finishes the game nowadays in the NBA. It's not about who starts the game. You mentioned last year's first uh, overall pick. This year's first overall pick, Victor Wambayama. Wambayama. I'm going to get it right one of these days. Uh, but for the San Antonio Spurs, he was uh, he was outshined last night, let's be honest, by Luca. He came in saying, this is my state, the state of Texas. And until uh, I'm dethroned, this is my division, my team, my state, Dallas Mavs. I like them. Mike, what the, uh, Mike, I love what are you talking about? Seriously. Mike, what are you talking about? Luca don't own nothing in the state of Texas. They didn't even make the playoffs last year, bro. Yeah, but he's come the best on, player. Man. He's the best player. Good, but come on, man. Dude, they don't have five titles sitting down there. The Spurs have say until I know they're bad now, but come on, man. Let's keep it real. It's been a long you know time. I mean? Luka, it's been a long time yes. for the Spurs. You know, and, and the Mavs, it, it, look, and the hey, Mavs you know what? when least expected, they've won. Hey, and you know what? The Spurs won their title a lot uh, in, in a shorter period of time than the Mavs won their last title. You got to remember, the Spurs won their title, won their title back in 2014. Well, look, they're going to they're gonna ride on the coattails of, of their history, right? When they got David right, Robinson, right. boom, they became, you know, legit. When they got Tim Duncan, boom, they became legit. They won titles in both circumstances, in both both instances. They've got a champion. No, they only won. They only won titles in Tim Duncan time, Mike. <laughs> they didn't get any, was fairly overrated, brother. You know that. I could have sworn that they got he one was with good. just him. No, they never got one with just him. It was always okay. Tim Duncan. By I the time corrected. Tim. Tim finally got him to the mountaintop. That's what you want to say. Because they okay. weren't even playing. They played one, one conference championship, Mike, before Tim got there. And that was because Dave Robinson had a, a stellar season. He did have one of the best MVP seasons ever, though. I'll give him that. And, Mike, I didn't mean to do that to you, brother, at all. It's just always funny to me because I have Dallas Mavericks buddies, and they always just – they toot Dallas's horn way too hard, bro. And I just think Luke is one of the more overrated superstars in the NBA. Yeah, he's great, but there's a lot of things that he does that – 
it's like, okay, bro, you're kind of getting away with murder here, but it's okay. We know that they got to sell things here in the NBA and you're, you're trying, you're doing what you got to do. But I know that you, what you, you want me to break down Wimby. I'm going to keep it real with you. And I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, but Wimby has to get his basketball IQ up and everybody says, well, he's just getting started. You can easily tell that. Yeah. He's definitely a guy who's just getting started. When did he start when he was 14? Because the thing was, he had no idea what he was doing last night, Mike. I've never seen a seven foot five guy run away from the rim. And he did it four times in front of me last night at a point where he was, he's supposed to be getting a defensive rebound on two of those occasions. And he was supposed to be getting an offensive rebound on the other two occasions. Those do you think he was being less aggressive? Tips. Do you think he was being less aggressive at that point because he didn't want to foul out because he got himself into foul trouble? Well, he was never being aggressive in the game. And he did get himself into foul trouble because he doesn't know how to play defense the correct the correct way for his size. He's out here trying to guard guys on the perimeter. It's your big butt down on the block. What are you doing? What are you doing up here? Get out of here. You know what I mean? And that was a waste of time. And then guys drive it to the hoop, drive it in his chest, whoop, foul. Because it's not your job, bro. You're supposed to be stationary, clean up the boards, make it a one-and-done situation, move the ball down the other way. I don't know why coaches are so scared to coach. Yeah, okay, you're, 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 you're tall, but let's, let's get you to do things easy first. Let's, let's get a rapport doing the, the easy stuff first so then you can walk yourself into the three-point shooting and the uh, dribbling between your legs and all that other stuff. Be the best team player you can possibly be. Don't try to be the, the the star. And I felt like they were trying to figure out who the star of the team was going to be. They truly lost the game because of the other guys because they were doing a bit way too much. And that's what the biggest problem was. And I really felt like they all needed to move out the way when Wimby started cooking it up. He scored nine straight points. They went up four. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't getting the ball anymore. And I just was like, this doesn't seem right. But I said, you're not getting the ball because you're not going for the ball. That's what the problem is. You know, we, we, will, we will wait to see. I know you went to the Who's Got More Rings card. Of course, San Antonio Spurs uh, <laughs> are going to win that battle. But I'll tell you what, I, I kind of like the Mavs. I think that having Kyrie for a full season is going to be really, really good. I like the guy that they got from the Celtics. What's his name? Uh, Williams. You know, he had, he, had a, he had a really good game last night. Uh, Grant Williams, that's what it is, the guy that played at Tennessee. And, you know, I, I really think that NBA teams by year four, year five of a star player should know if they are championship material or not. I think Luka is at that stage right now where it's now or never. You know, he's going into, what, year six? This guy, maybe even year seven. No, I think this is year six. So he's at five under his belt. If he can't do it now and he's got a champion with him like Kyrie, et cetera, then my question is, when are you going to do it, bro? You can do it in year 13 when you're old and you're just kind of getting that ring as a tag along, you know, like a Tracy McGrady type style, or are you going to be the leader and lead the team to a championship? Time is now the guy can, can shoot for 30, bring down double-digit boards, 
I think he is the real deal, but we will see, my friend. Uh, well, Mike, just real quick, I agree with you. I like Dallas this year, too. I think that these do when you have top duos in the league, when you look at top duos in the league, you can't say that Kyrie and Luka ain't top top 10 at least and they they're not 10th either you know what i mean they're somewhere in the fives you know what i mean and when these guys can cook it's gonna be 35 a piece and they'll win that game by 20 points it's that's that's what makes them really good but they need more and they really do need that stopper that big man somebody that's gonna clean up the boards for them so then they can do their work yeah look i can't argue with that that makes sense the other thing, too, by the way, that I didn't mention is that uh, Luca doled out 10 assists, too, yesterday. You know? Oh, um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So the guy is a pretty well-rounded ball player. They, uh, like I said, going into year six for an NBA player, if, if you're not a consistent playoff team, if you're not a championship contender, my question is, when are you going to be? Like Chris Paul. Right, it's like how many times are you going to be get bounced in the playoffs or not make it before people start looking at you and like you're just not a champion, bro. Not as the leader of the team. Sorry. So oh, maybe even you could say the same thing about Harden. Right, you put up all the I numbers. Keep a, I keep it. Right, and, and numbers guys. Right, I keep it real with you, man. Luca is really a guy that he's not going to really win a championship until he gets with three other stars, bro. Like, I don't see that happening in Dallas, and I think that they're going to have an ugly ending in Dallas as well, too. Mark Cuban isn't as, as fun as he used to be. You know what I mean? Mark Cuban is has now kind of dipped into politics a little bit. He's in the he's in the medical uh, game, pharmaceuticals, things like that. And I think that his focus is in different places now. It's not his little baby anymore with the Mavericks anymore. You know, it's not his. I think that he's kind of bored of his lifetime dream a little bit. You feel me, Mike? Yeah, it's almost like he got a little bit more serious. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wanted to be the carefree, everybody loves me owner. And then he started seeing how these guys can tax your damn wallet. And he's he don't like that no more. And then the unloyalty of some of these players as well, too, and the way that they act about, you know, the opportunities that were given to him. And I think that he really drew the line with Dennis Smith Jr. flocked. You know, because Dennis Smith Jr. was the guy who's supposed to be the next, uh, who was supposed to lead the Dallas Mavericks into the new era with uh, Dirk and all this good stuff. And the guy wound up not being the player that they wanted him to be. And then they had to go get Luka because, you know, they struggled for a few seasons. And then they were fortunate enough to get Luka and Luka changed things around and made it to where it was easy enough for the transition to happen to where Dirk didn't have to leave for another team to still be relevant in the league. He just went and sat on the bench and pretty much went ahead and retired a Maverick. Right. Right. Well, let's transition really quick before the commercial break pop to Dusty Baker for a moment. Mm -hmm. his, career okay. is a lot, his career is a lot more remarkable than people realize. And it's not just because he won the World Series. It's a very long career. People forget he was an all-star baseball player. He was a gold glover. He invented the high five. I don't know if you know that or not. The first high five yeah. ever, ever done was by Dusty Baker. His career was so long that he played against Hoyt Wilhelm. 
who's a Hall of Fame pitcher born in the 20s, the 1920s. And he's also managed against uh, Evan Carter this year, who's born in 2002. So 1922 to 2002, that's his wingspan years-wise. He was there when Hank Aaron hit his 715th home run. He was there to when Barry Bonds broke Hank Aaron's record. The guy saw Bill Russell in his heyday playing basketball. But before that, did you know that Bill Russell was a shortstop? And he saw that too. He's yep. managed M- MVPs like Joey Votto, Jordan Alvarez, uh, not an MVP, but, uh, you know, greats. Uh, Barry Bonds, of course, like I mentioned, he won division titles with the Giants, with the Cubs, with the Reds, with the Nationals, with the Astros, and I'm sure I'm probably forgetting some team. He was a playoff team in all of those instances, all of those teams. You know, people talk about Andy Reid winning with Philly and Kansas City. Imagine if Andy Reid did it with six teams. That's what Dusty's done. So wanted to give him his props because he is vastly underrated, in my opinion, when you look at the totality. You know how, like, Basketball Hall of Fame, they look at the totality of the basketball life. It's not an NBA Hall of Fame. If baseball looked at the totality, Dusty Dusty Baker is in very rarefied air, in my opinion, Pop. Do you have any thoughts about Dusty? What are your most memorable uh, things to, to, to consider when you're talking about Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker, 2002 World Series that, you know, even as uh, um, somebody who was kind of rooting for the Angels at at that time, I I didn't mind the Giants winning that either, even though they are the Dodgers' arch rival and things like that. Dusty and Barry made it okay to be like, yeah, the Giants are all right. They're decent. You know what I mean? And um, Dusty was a Dodger, man, and he loved being a Dodger as well, too. He loved being from the L.A. area as well. Um, he's a very universal person, and he's a very, very uh, great vessel to the game of baseball, and he's going to be sorely missed because he's the last of the, uh, somewhat of the, like, Mohicans of what baseball used to be. Absolutely. 100% right. He's, he's old school, old school manager because he was an old school player. Played back in the old school time period, you know. Uh, probably a lot of the people that he played against or played with are probably not even on this earth anymore. So the guy's seen so much baseball, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, you know where I thought you were going with that, Pop? I thought you were about to talk about him pulling Russ Ortiz in the World Series because he got a lot of criticism for that. And the thing that I'm most glad for is that he had an opportunity to make that not the narrative, you know, when uh, when he retires. You know, that's not now the first thing that people will say when they're looking at his resume because he's now got a World Series under his belt. I also like that he was able to rid the criticism of the Nationals, right? He leaves, then they win the World Series. That kind of sucks. But again, I think once you win that World Series, you quiet a lot of that talk for better or for worse, right or wrong. The guy's a world champion and... uh I don't want to hear about he inherited a team or any of that nonsense because he gave a team too. He gave a team to other managers. So, and those are teams that he developed. All right. So that's my take on Dusty Baker. You're going to be missed, my man. 
fellow Californian, fellow Sacramento, uh, Central Valley guy from Sacramento, Johnny B. Baker. Known as Dusty Baker. You might just keep it real that you just went to Dusty Baker's uh, baseball camp as a kid. That's the only reason why you're over here always gloating <laughs> about him. I'm just, I'm just messing with you, Mike. <laughs> Dusty was awesome. And just one quick thing before we go to commercial. Forget what people had to say about him taking out uh, Russ Ortiz. Dude, players decide how the game is going to go. Managers just make decisions, bro. He he he, he ain't in control of uh, the, uh, Spezio hitting that home run, dude. He's not. So it it is what it is at the end of the moment, man. At the end of the day, dude, it's it, it's theater. So let's let's always figure out somebody to blame that didn't throw the pitch or hit the ball, you know. But that's just that's just a a, a silly excuse at the end of the day. Well, in baseball, it's kind of funny because you're not guaranteed that if the guy stays in the game, he gets the house. You know what I mean? Like you're just guessing. <laughs> you know, right. so it's one of those things where right. manager's decision. Very hard to second guess it. Uh, there are some instances where you can. I don't think that was one of them. Ortiz gave a, gave a good effort. He gave it all he had. Dusty has seen him for 162, so he knew the timing was now to pull the guy. If he went back and did it again, I would suspect he'd do the same thing. All right, Pop, let's take a commercial timeout. We're a little bit late on that. We'll come back. We'll talk about the World Series and the NFL and all things sports. Stay with us, everyone. We will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
couple more notes on Dusty Baker real fast. He ranked seventh all time with his 2,183 wins, our seventh all time. Every manager that's had 2,000 wins has made it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, And then, of course, you know, the media is always going to bring it up. He's the first black manager to reach that milestone and would be the first black manager inducted into the MLB Baseball Hall of Fame. So I think we've given Dusty his props. He didn't get that farewell tour, so wanted to spend a few moments on him. Now let's talk about the game on the field, the World Series. I know you're of the mindset that baseball got it right, that the playoff format did exactly what it's supposed to do, even though we've got lower seeds that are in the NBA or the the MLB finals into the World Series. What's what's your kind of rationale for saying that it works? And just for people's reference, you know, we're talking about uh, what like a five seed and a six seed, I believe. I'll double check that, but we're not talking about any of the top seeds. We're talking about teams, you know, that, you know, won 84 games and 90 games, 84 for Arizona, 90 for Texas. That's got to be probably the least combined wins in a world series, maybe ever, but definitely a long time. So why do you think this format is a good one? Why do you think it works well? Well, because you know what? At the end of the day, if you were a number, if you were a top two seeds, they gave you the benefit of having a week off where you can get everybody healthy. You can get guys that didn't play for a few weeks to to be healthy, or you got you got guys that might have got taxed a little bit at the end of the year to get a little bit more time off and things like that. You can strategize a little bit more as well too. And if you can't. Keep your your momentum going when this team comes in here and plays you. Then you know what it is. What it is. I felt like you know what uh, you had teams. You had the Rangers and Diamondbacks who literally had to fight tooth and nail until the final weekend to get into the playoffs and get their seating and everything like that. So they were already in the go mode attitude. And they were already in playoff mode. So when they got to their series against. Um, what would be for the Rangers, it would be uh, that they got with the Rays. The Rays were a team that was pretty much cooked by the time we got to the top of September because they had literally lost most of their pitching staff. So they were already in a bad spot. Then you have um, who the Diamondbacks played, the Brewers. The Brewers were never taken seriously come on mike i was i was the one fighting for them every single week that they were going to win the division you you were talking more about the reds and the pirates and the cubs you know what i mean and and rightfully so because they looked a lot better winning that division because they had a better roster when you looked at it at the end of the day the brewers just have the best chemistry that's why they were able to move forward and get into the playoffs but chemistry didn't help them against this this diamondbacks team that really believes in themselves and mike we talked about this six months ago when the dodgers had their first weekend and you're asking me you know the dodgers didn't look that great pop you know and i remember they went into arizona that thursday night we were telling me they didn't look that great and i said you know what that arizona team is good they play baseball the way that we love the game of baseball they play baseball the way that it's supposed to be played you got your speed at the top you got your power in the middle and then you got to 
decent pitching staff that uh, starters, but then you got a good bullpen that knows how to hold things. And I saw that in the first four games of the season in their first two wins against the Dodgers because those were close, clutch, crucial games that you win in a playoff-type uh, atmosphere situation. And I felt like, okay, they're turning the corner. And they went through all the bumps and bruises that you needed to do and that's why when they went into that series, they were able to just be laser focused in on the task at hand and they were able to get their job done. And then when they played the Dodgers, as I keep telling everybody and for the Phillies as well, too, you have the extended scouting report. So you already know these guys. So these divisional uh, playoff games uh, against guys from the same division, those games are dangerous. Those you have to call them 50 50s, just like we do during the season. So pretty much I feel like the parity played a great part because we could have had a great run from Toronto but they just were too too green for the well, I wouldn't say too green because this was their third playoff in a row but they just didn't seem like they had enough consistency then you looked at the the Braves you thought the Braves were going we all thought the Braves were going to smoke through the playoffs even smoke the Dodgers all that good stuff and they were going to be show show out all the stars that they have on that team to really you know give us the star power of the MLB that it can all be in one lineup that didn't happen. And then, you know, who the runner up of that situation was the Phillies and the Phillies at the end of the day the Phillies got too cute and they felt like they had already won a series and they didn't win that series as of yet. The Diamondbacks told themselves that we not out of this thing till we're out of this thing. And that's why they were able to win that series. Because by the time because when they when I looked up five one and Diamondbacks were up five one in game six, I said this series is over. The Diamondbacks are about to win. And even my mother, I was like, Yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh Diamondbacks won. She said, Oh, yeah, them Phillies is done. I said, Mommy ain't even been watching baseball. What the hell you mean the Phillies are done? You know what I mean? And she even knew the Phillies were done. And that's just just because that's how baseball is. A team can seize momentum, and it's just you, there's nothing you can do about it. Same thing happened to the Dodgers when they got swept. Came out, you hit Clayton Kershaw for six runs off top. You never look back. And that's exactly what happened when they seized the series against uh, the um. Phillies, they turn. I said it's it's now best of three series when we got to game five, and they went in took two out of three, and that was the mentality that comes from having a really good manager. And the Rangers, let's keep it real, they were the best team in the AL for two months, and then they had a slide for a while. If we really look at it, they might have they might have had the best roster coming into the playoffs on who they have up and down that lineup because everybody can hit in that lineup. The question we had was the pitching. But when I look at their pitching and you say to yourself, John Gray, who was the best pitcher on the Colorado Rockies for years, nobody's going to mention that because they were so lousy. Then you have Jordan Montgomery, who's been the best pitcher on the last three teams he played for. Yes, he played on three teams in the last few years. He played what? He played for the Yankees. He played for the Pirates. He played for the, uh, did he play for the Pirates? And he played for the Cardinals. You know what I mean? And he's played for uh, uh, three different teams in two years. And it's been nothing but a great pitcher for those teams. Max Scherzer is just riding the gravy train. He would, you know, he didn't do anything great before he got there, but then Max delivers in game seven. I know I was dogging him. I know I was giving him hell and hell or high water, 
But he went in there to game seven and he went and shut it down. And he was a, a postseason pitcher. So they put everything in place to where they are, you know, primed to win a World Series. But you just can't hand them the World Series because you have a lineup with the uh, Diamondbacks that when they're on, they're on. Ask the Dodgers. And you know what? At the end of the day, the best player in the series plays for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that's Mr. Corbin Carroll, who pretty much is holding the the stake of baseball's theater for the future in this series. Because if he shows out in this series, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a lot of people uh, looking for what young star that they want to be, uh, you know, follow his journey because this means that we got the new era coming into place and it seems like it'll get fun again, like the 90s where everybody got their star and everybody got the guy that can get them to the promised land. Speaking of the promised land, who wins? You know what? I'm going to be really, really uh, pop DiBiase here. I think that, you know, the Diamondbacks are a team that I – told you early that if they can do some things get to the playoffs they'll be dangerous i said this early about them but i also gave the rangers a glowing prediction when they were i said they can do whatever they want if everybody's in place if everybody can stay healthy they can do whatever they want the grand picked them for a reason if this is tough mike because i like both of these teams and i feel like this is a seven game world series as well too their rosters match up perfectly. They match perfectly. They match perfectly. This is tough. But I got the Diamondbacks winning this one and seven. Uh, I, I see it a little bit differently. I think Texas is going to kick the shit out of the Diamondbacks. I think that okay. Texas is going to win this thing in five. I don't think it's even going to be close. I think it's going to be a slugfest. Okay. You know, it, it is going to be a big time slugfest. And you can't beat the Rangers in a slugfest. I'm sorry. Diamondbacks don't have the firepower to be able to match up in a slugfest. The Rangers are the team that can win 11 to 10. They're the team that can get you eight runs uh, in a blink of an eye. And we saw that against the Astros. They put a whooping on them. They're going to put a whooping on the Diamondbacks. I say the Rangers in five wouldn't be at all surprised if it's a sweep. That's, that's my take on it. That's actually, I'm going to throw out a couple of bucks on, on that as well, because I think that uh, the Rangers are sorely, I don't want to say misunderstood, but they're vastly underrated. Let's just put it to you that way. You, you kind of nailed it, Pop, when you were talking about that they were the best team in baseball for a couple of months, right? Let's not forget about that. They the were on pace to break the uh, differential record. You know that, right? They were on pace right. to break that record. Right. Yep. Diamondbacks at no point during the season were the best team in baseball. They were maybe the best Dude, story they're a minus in differential. Right. Right. So to me, they never I, were I story. Think, <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, the closest they got to being a story was maybe just that they were even hanging around for a wild card spot a that, year too early. Their story was the first month when they were the first place team for six weeks. There you go. There you go. But that built really the confidence as well, too, Mike. That built the confidence. It, it did, but let me tell you, they, their pitching staff is, I mean, really, beyond Gallon and Merrill Kelly, it's just not a very good pitching staff. Now, you may say, well, well, how can you say that? Look at them rise up to the occasion. 
they did, but it's with kind of like a, a random hodgepodge of of uh, bullpen management. I think Tori Lavula has done a masterful job. I mean, he's even brought in guys that were September call-ups that are pitching nine, ten innings in the playoffs. You know, he's doing whatever he can to kind of like hide their weaknesses, and he's done a great job for that, uh, for doing so. But I think that the Rangers are going to exploit that in a big, big way. Uh, for those who are wondering who's got the home field advantage, it will be the Mr. American League. So Texas Rangers will be the home playoff, uh, which basically means that they're going to start at home and they're going to end at home. And if the series goes seven, they'll get four. Where Arizona and the desert, they'll get three if the series goes five or beyond. So that's kind of my take on it, Pop. Uh, and I'm going to say Marcus Simeon is the World Series MVP. And it's on my side, him, Corey it's between Carroll. him and Sager. It's between him and Sager. Okay. And, and that's yeah. for your side. My side right. is going to be Corbin Carroll. And okay. some more Corbin Carroll. Because Corbin Carroll, if he gets off, they they don't lose the series, Mike. If Corbin Carroll can do what he does, they don't lose. Look, man, America got a good introduction to him in the playoffs, but it's nothing like the World Series. This guy's the real deal, man. This guy had a remarkable rookie season, this guy being Corbin Carroll. I mean, the guy legitimately has like 30 home run power, and 50-plus steals type guy. He hits for good average. You know, he's kind of a unicorn. Um, you know. He's I'm old school, serious. baby. He's old school. He will I'm fit just, right into the – he will fit right into the 80s and 90s, dude. Uh, uh, you can't say that for every player in the MLB nowadays. All right, so I just pulled up the stats just to be highly accurate. 54 out of 59 stolen base attempts. Yeah, 54 out of his 55 swipes, out of his 59 swipes, were successful. 25 home runs this year, 285 batting average. As a rookie, legit, man, legit. And in the postseason, he's batting close to 300. He's got a couple home runs. He's got four steals. So he's definitely risen to the occasion in the postseason. His on-base percent is almost 400. OPS over 850. So he's he's brought very consistent numbers that translated from the regular season to the postseason. And you don't always see that. So that's our wrap on the World Series. The rest will be decided on the field. Looking forward to that. Starts on uh, tomorrow, right? I believe tomorrow night is the game one, scheduled game one. So I'm looking forward to that. Pop, let's take our final timeout. We'll come back and talk a little National Football League. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment with Pop DiBiase, Mike Abadir. We're going to shift the gears a little bit and talk some NFL. Uh, let's see here. We are talking about five, six teams probably in the AFC. But we'll get to the AFC in a second. Niners have finally hit the road bump spot. They've, they've now lost a couple in, in a row. Brock Purdy might not be playing this Sunday. We will see. They kind of let the Seahawks and the Rams kind of be within striking distance after the second loss, Pop. Do you think that, A, their defense maybe isn't as good as we thought, and then, B, is maybe the offense too dependent on McCaffrey? What are your thoughts? I just think what happened was that they had players out, and it showed. Um, Their back end is probably the one – uh, the one thing that you could say that's that's the the liability on their defense if they don't have their s- certain guys in there. But I would say that the defense overall still wasn't bad. They only gave up twenty. They gave nineteen against Cleveland. They gave twenty two against uh the uh the 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 Vikings. But so no, the defense really wasn't the issue. What what it was is that their offense just didn't start fast enough in the uh, Minnesota game and in the Browns game. Come on, man. They missed the kick at the end. If they make the kick, we, we, they only lost one game. So, you know, it's circumstances that have affected the um, 49ers more than anything. Yeah, they, I don't know. If they it's lost the PJ Walker, man. They lost the PJ Walker. No, come down to a field goal. They, they, they didn't technically lose the PJ Walker. Their, their kicker missed the kick. They Purdy did everything he possibly could to put them in position to win that game, and the kicker missed the kick. So they didn't. So and at the end of the day, 
you know what? This is even coming from a person that has rooting interest in the Browns. The rest bailed us out. I'll keep it real because they don't ever usually do that for the Browns, but they did it on uh, that day with the uh, 49ers. But I will say that the game against the Vikings, that was a little bit more telling of a team that was just as tired. You know, they need a bye week. That's what the 49ers need because when you play at a high level the first five weeks of the season like the 49ers did and way they dispose the teams you still you do have kind of a come down that's kind of uh tricky you know what i mean and you lose close games the way the same way the 49ers did but i still consider the 49ers the best team in the nfc at this point right now Purdy is really got my respect this year as a guy that's the ultimate game manager but he's also a guy that can win you a game, but it has to be everything has to run perfectly. I felt like what happened to him on um, Monday was pretty much the playing catch up and the whole situation with the 49ers is nothing to truly worry about. I know what you're saying, Mike. You got the Bengals coming in on Sunday. They're coming fresh off of a bye. They've won their last uh, few. They've won their last two in a row. They're playing much better football than they did to start the season off. And you know this looks like a really tricky, tough game. But I'm going to keep it real. The defense will be back in business. They're going to be in uh, San Francisco as well, too. Not, I mean Santa Clara. They're going to play good football. They're going to make the adjustments this week as well, too. And I think not having Debo Samuel really did make the offense a little bit more one-dimensional, but I think they can go ahead and make the adjustments because since they don't have Debo this week, they can take advantage of Ray Ray McLeod, who's ready to bust out. And I think that this is the game for him to bust out in. Man, let me tell you, this stretch coming up is going to be pretty tough. Now, like you mentioned, the bye week. So after this Bengals game, they will have a bye week, and it's probably sorely needed. But after that, man, they got a tough stretch. You know, they're going to have to go all the way back out to the east to Florida to play Jacksonville. And then they got the other Florida team, Tampa, in back-to-back weeks. They still have two games against Seattle. They're going to be split by a game at Philadelphia. So they're going to go to Seattle, go to Philadelphia, and then home against Seattle. And they also have a Christmas Day game against the Baltimore Ravens. It's not a tough. It's not a. It's not an easy schedule, man. It's a very tough schedule. I think we will really see what the Niners are made of in this second half of the season. So uh, the one thing I will say before we move on is that Minnesota really kicked the shit out of them. It was only a five-point game on uh, final, but if you watch that game. Minnesota could have easily put up 38 points. You know, they, they had so many opportunities, you know, first and goal, and they, they were able to march down the field. That's the thing that I always look at when you're talking about defenses. You could talk about bend and not break all the time. But if you're allowing teams to march down the field and have their way with their running game, with their passing game, et cetera, just a matter of time before teams will convert in the red zone. And that's kind of what I saw from the 49ers this past week against the Vikings. You're talking about the, the Purdy performance to get them in a position to win with a field goal against Cleveland. Man, it shouldn't have come down to a field goal. 
that's kind of my point about that. But to me, the more telling game was the Vikings. Uh, you know, the Niners to me look like a team that definitely won a home playoff game because going on the road, um, it, we've seen evidence now two straight weeks where they don't play as good on the road. Other teams that I'd like to maybe spend a moment talking about. Colin Cowherd, who, you know, he's got a lot of viewers. So like him or not, his opinion is going to be discussed on a widespread basis because he's got that platform on Fox Sports and FS1. And one of the comments that he made was that the Dolphins were kind of like uh, a bull in a china shop. That they were, they look good from the outside, but on the inside, they're not so good. And right now, it's it's a little bit hard for me to disagree with him because the two toughest games they've had against Buffalo, against Philly, granted, both on the road, but they are pretty much held in check against both. They are pretty much dominated by Buffalo and by Philadelphia. Um, and, and talk about schedules, the Dolphins don't have a difficult schedule don't have a, an easy schedule. They have a very difficult schedule coming up. Uh, so they're not going to get any favors from the schedule makers. Right now they got a game on Buffalo, and they do have a head-to-head matchup against them in Miami. What are your thoughts about the AFC East? Because the Jets have been somehow, some way hanging in there. What are your thoughts about that division? Well, you know, um, I'm going to keep it real. I think that everybody got to kind of simmer their expectations about teams this season in the NFL. It's like the 90s this year. Yeah, some teams might jump out and look really good to start the season off, but nobody's going to go 14-3 and this year, in my opinion. Only team that possibly might be able to pull that off is the Chiefs because they have the chemistry, they have the rapport, they have the coaching. But when you look at the Miami Dolphins, you like what you see. Miami looks like the team that's going to win the AFC East. Uh, Yeah, they didn't have a great game against the Bills in Buffalo. But let's see how that game goes when they come to Miami, okay? All right. They got New England coming in this week. New England's coming fresh off of a win against Buffalo. That was a much-needed win. You know why New England won that game? was because Bill Belichick had a week-long rip session on his team. He was literally, he was probably talking about guys' mamas, you know, how bad he was getting on them bad. He probably brought in uh, the funniest people in the state of Massachusetts to rip on his team and do it in private. So then they can go ahead and be motivated to beat whoever's in front of them. But they know that they got up out of there with a lucky win because they didn't blow away the bills. But what they did was they built their confidence up early with a 10-0 lead. So, they were able to get themselves a nice upset. That's what it was. It's an upset because the New England Patriots are not a good football team this season. And Bill Belichick will be the first one to say that they aren't. And, um, you know, pretty much when I look at Miami, I look at a team that is is turning the corner. This is exactly what you want as a Miami Dolphins fan. I just want to win football games and win our division like we did for 20 years. 
in a row when we were the creme de la creme of the AFC East. It's a damn shame when you see a team that was 35-14-1 at one point against a team. I'm talking about the Dolphins and the Bills all time. This is, And I'm going back to the game that I saw from 1990 because I've been watching a lot of YouTube OG NBC games. And this was a playoff game from years ago. It was 35-14-1 all time. The um, Dolphins, and they, they beat them for a 10-year stretch as well, too. And so that's how dominant the Dolphins were in the AFC East for a good 30 years with Don Shula as the coach. And they haven't even sniffed that type of consistency here since Don Shula left. But right now they're in position to make their second appearance in the playoffs up underneath a coach that a lot of people doubted. And he's in his third year excelling to a level that most didn't see him didn't see coming. The Philadelphia game was marred by some penalties in that one as well, too. That game could have went either way until it went the Eagles way. But the one game that they got soundly beat in was the Bills game. But I'm going to say this. This is what showed me that the Dolphins, when they got it clicking, when they got it going and they're not playing against the refs, um, that they can beat anybody in this league. It was game number one against the Chargers. It showed me that this team is the one team, if they have it going, they're going to be a nightmare for you. If you're a great team, they're going to keep building. They're going to keep getting better. They bring in as soon as they bring in Jalen Ramsey, that defense is going to is going to go up a couple levels as well, too. So there's a lot of good things going on with Miami. As we are about to wrap the show here, there is only two. There are only two matchups, I believe, where you're talking about uh, maybe three about winning winning teams. Uh, matching up this weekend, the Jaguars against the the, up, the the Steelers, who are just winning games somehow, uh, five and two versus four and two, and uh, we're looking at the Browns and Seahawks, both four and two, and then if you want to give the Bengals at three and three, calling them a winning team, which I guess they're really not, against the Forty ers who are five and two. That's it. Those are the only t- games where you have winning teams going up against one another. For the road, give us a winner, Pop. Um, my best bet of the week this week is going to be best bet of the week this week will be the Chargers Sunday night football. They're going to beat them by 20 or better. Yeah, I think if you're in one of those pools where uh, a survivor type thing, I, I think the Bengal, the 49ers right the ship against the Bengals. So I'll take them minus four. I think they win big after being humiliated on Monday night. And uh, I think the Chargers are a good survivor play too if you haven't used them up already. Pop, that's all the time we got, my friend. Thank you, good sir, for always making the show better. Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to everybody involved. And most of all, thank you, the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your World Series, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.